1: You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott.
2: and Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking Utah, Stanford, and USC, and we have special guests former Ute wide receiver Kenneth Scott. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Howdy. How we doing? Been better. We've been better. Ryan's going through I'm, puberty. My voice is still hoarse. Same, same with Utah. Booing. Have you guys been practicing your long snaps? <laughs> Good golly. We'll get on to that. So Utah comes away with a loss, 23-20 to against the Stanford Trees. I've been looking over the stats. They're pretty even in everything except for turnovers and quarterback play. But let's really break down where this game was lost. Hater, you're <laughs> such a hater.
1: <laughs> hey, we got to just get it out there. We're going to hate tonight, aren't we?
2: So much hate in your heart. I'm going to be positive. I'm the positive one in this group. Oh, since I got to keep the bright light shining. Oh, there's plenty of positives to talk about, there's also plenty of negatives, but. That's what happens when you lose to a pretty average team. All right, I want to start the show off with a positive note. The rushing attack between Zach Moss and Devonta Henry Cole I thought was stellar the whole game, minus the goal line stand or whatever in the third quarter, I believe. But I thought Moss and Devonta Henry Cole really had their best game of the the season.
3: I I loved I loved the running game. I think they by far was the best game of the season for both Moss and Devontae Henry Cole and for the offensive line and uh, the run the the pass blocking. You know, they showed they showed more aggression. The holes were there and those guys were running hard. I I think by far it was the best uh, performance we've seen from those guys, you know, which we kind of expected coming off a of bye week. We also expected some other things coming off a of bye week, but that didn't really take place.
1: I agree with both of you. The running game was the best that I think we've seen all season. What disappointed me a little bit is how we seemed to go away from it in the second half. Um, I think when you look at the numbers, the number of running plays was fairly similar in the second half, but I think a lot of those came on one specific drive, and then the rest was
2: really... A lot of passing plays that didn't amount to much. We get when you get down by two scores in the fourth quarter, you gotta you know you gotta pick well, with, up the pace a with, little bit more. With you that gotta, you gotta offense throw it was a like four scores <laughs> <laughs> totally. You gotta throw a little bit more. But I agree. I think they abandoned it too much or too early. And really, with Williams kind of struggling all game, I don't know why they went away from it. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, I mean, I, looking at the numbers. Well, Moss only fi- Moss finished with 15 carries and uh Henry Cole finished with 7. And but if we break it down uh, what was uh, per attempt. Uh Moss averaged 5.3 yards a carry and Henry Cole 7.9. Yeah, those those are, those are good numbers. Those are averages that you want to take every
3: day. So why we went away from that and kept putting the ball in 50%s hands, I don't understand. <laughs> Who's 50%? I think you know who 50% is. <laughs> All
2: right, so that's going to be the elephant in the room. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Troy Williams, at least for me, I, I was disappointed with his play and also just his his body language. It wasn't his, his just you. After, after the game. There
1: were 45,000 fans that thought <laughs> the same thing. Not to pile on, but... <laughs>
3: It was it was not a good performance and he knows it and Troy Williams we do not hate you. We do not hate you as a person. We were not pleased with the performance. It was not not his best and he knows that, but I mean, you you have to get more out of your quarterback than what he gave. I mean, he he ended the game 20 of 39, just over 50% completion percentage. Um, missed a lot of guys, threw the ball into the ground countless times over guys' head. I mean, on that first series, he had Singleton down the sideline. Would have been a score if he hits him, and, uh, you know, airmailed that bad boy. Missed guys that were open running down the field. Carrington a couple times. Carrington's still open. C.O.C. Um, Wilson was was open a, a couple of different times, and, you know, he he was pretty tunnel vision, on, uh, on his read, whether that was his pre-snap read or, or what. But, I mean, we last week we asked the question, what is the offense going to look like with Troy Williams as starter? What is Troy Taylor going to do to to adapt? Not sure
1: I like the answer. No, oh, I definitely don't like the answer, especially after two weeks of preparation. I mean, uh, it was just plain pathetic. In We saw a lot of the same things we watched last season. The offense. We are cursed offensively. (laughs) Where's Joe Boot? I mean, I I leaned over to, to Cameron at one point during the game, and I said, here's the difference between Williams and Huntley. Huntley drops back to throw a pass, and the ball is out. He knows where he's going with it. It's an accurate throw, and it's out. Williams drops back there and he acts like he doesn't know where to throw the ball
2: then vacates the pocket into the pressure and the series is done. That was my biggest frustration is he didn't look like a fifth year senior in the pocket. No, not at all. Granted he got a lot of pressure on him all night but I think that was designed by Stanford to make him uncomfortable make Williams beat them with his arm and he couldn't. And it's kind of funny that We have Huntley, who it's his first year starting. He's a a true sophomore, but he looks way more composed and way more comfortable in the pocket than Williams does as a fifth-year senior.
3: Well, and and we will have no way of knowing this, but it would be interesting to know how the quarterback race really was last year if Troy was really superior than Huntley. I mean, obviously... As a fan base, we didn't know much about Huntley. We didn't know what to expect from him. We knew he was young, and uh, but I can't imagine he has made that much progress in one off season to completely leave Troy Williams in the dust. I mean, this was not this was not a quarterback competition in fall camp. I don't believe it. They fed us a line, and there is no way
2: this was a competition.
3: Huntley is the better quarterback, far quarterback and above. By
2: far. Let me just throw this argument out there. Could it be, and I th- I've kind of seen this on Twitter, could it be that Williams has just is it regressed because he got benched?
1: Well, his, his attitude, I believe, at least it shows, it's completely different than last year. We didn't have anything to compare him against last year because it was his first season with the Utes but in watching the way he directs the team and interacts with the team and there's no energy and the urgency and the lack of hustle it's night and day compared to Huntley well i mean and,
3: and 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 some of this could have just been the game plan you know going up against Stanford maybe we were trying to limit the amount of touches that they had that that they could hand the ball off to love so Maybe, maybe our game plan going in was to slow down the game and uh, and take our time on each possession and utilize the clock, because we sure did. We utilized about every second of the clock that didn't exist. Yeah, what was up with that. But it seemed like the play calls were slow to come in. Once they came in, the, the whole offense seemed to just kind of take some time to get lined up. And,
1: and a lot again, of times it seemed like they were, the receivers didn't know which side of the field to line up on. Too. Yeah.
3: And whether again, was, was that by design? Was that, did we change a lot of stuff in the bye week that, uh, you know, maybe you guys weren't real comfortable with? I don't know. But, it it definitely did not seem. I mean, it was it was night and day different from Huntley. I mean, there was definitely a, a much faster pace, a, a faster tempo, and the pace never changed. changed even when we were down no. two scores. You know, we're just we're just walking to the line of scrimmage. We're just slow to get going, and again, we're not coaches, but. I would have liked to have seen a little change of pace at some points in that game to kind of maybe spur the offense on and get some energy.
1: Well, it was it even felt that way at the end when we ended up scoring to make it a three-point game and had a chance on that onside kick.
3: Thanks to two targeting penalties.
1: <laughs> true. <laughs>
2: Very true. But,
1: but my point being is that two-minute, that so-called two-minute offense really didn't have any urgency to it. There was...
2: I don't know. They were out for a Sunday drive. Yeah, really. Well, it kind of seemed like that all game. I mean, they kind of looked like they came out flat-footed. And and the and the thing that's a little disappointing
3: is Stanford did not play an overly exceptional game. They were pretty average themselves. And I mean, they're pretty, you know, they're they're above average football team, but they are not what they were four years ago. No. And we're at home you've just come off a two week bye to get guys healthy get some rest figure some things out and it was just i mean offense obviously we're talking about the offense now but i mean special teams was not good just it was just it was just a very unwit like performance for the entire team outside of the defense but that's a given the defense shows up week in and week out i thought they were phenomenal i thought scally called a great game I especially with two defensive ends, your top two defensive ends being out. Lecky, Lecky was not the best early on at uh, the read option. kept kept diving inside and ultimately lost the job to Chris Hart in the second half. But uh, but I thought overall the defense played well. C- continued to hold them to field goals instead of letting them in the end zone, and kept us in the game. You're only going to give up 23 points in in
2: a game. Well, here's my only argument with the defense: there was no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. There wasn't. There wasn't. But but, but I, okay. But I know the, fo- you, the focus but was, I, was to stop Love, and and they did. They they held Love to under his season average. They did allow what, two big runs from him. I'll live with that because of how well talented he is. What is it, Christ and Cast Castillo? Cust- they had all day to, they just did. to pick our
3: secondary apart. They did. Okay. Well, the difference in the game was, for me, I mean, they're pretty obvious, you know, but first, the bad snap, where it bounced back to Wischnowski, they take over, what, the 11-yard line. That's a turnover. It
2: might book, that's a turnover, so we really
3: had three. And, and then they kick a field goal. So, we kept them out in the end zone, but we just gave them three points, which mm-hmm. is what we lost by. And then... You get down to first and goal from the two yard line and you can't get into the It was second end zone. and goal
1: from the one and from there you just go backwards.
3: I mean give me a break. The the third down play call was awful. That whether was terrible. That, whether that was the play call or it was audible to by, by Williams, it was it was bad. But right there you left you gave them three points and then you left four points on the on the, on the table right there and that's your ball game. Otherwise, you did enough. As bad as we played, you did enough to win. But just too many mistakes, too many moments where I mean, special teams—we hang our hat on special teams. And what has gone? What has gone in? Gotten into that snapper? It's a head uh, case. now. Let's it's... talk
2: about that now. So Winningham addressed that, and I guess both of them are going to do it the rest of the season. Do what? Snap.
3: Oh, thanks for clarifying. <laughs>
2: So I didn't really under really grasp the concept of this. So depending on how far the snap is going to be, that's it's going to be Harrison, handsome Hadley, or Will, Whittingham's kid.
1: Well, on the is field, that how it worked? Late in the game, the field goal long snapper was Whittingham, and the punt snapper was Hadley. So maybe that's what he's talking about. Well, we're not
3: using Hadley as a tight end, so we <laughs> might as well just give him all the snaps possible crying out loud
1: and that just blows my mind that those guys aren't utilized Travis Wilson
3: uh, tweeted in why is Siali and uh, and Hanley Hanley not getting any targets in the red zone
1: he's got a point they're both big boys who can just walk into the end zone turn around and box out a guy for a touchdown but at some point what like let's talk about this for a minute what is the
3: problem in the red zone because it's not just a Troy Taylor issue it's it's a it's a program issue. It's been going on for a number of years now that why are we struggling so much in the red zone? Especially as good of a running we are a running team. That's what we that's what we've hung our hat on for how many years now? And we get in there, we need 1 yard, we need 2 yards and we cannot pick it up.
2: As you go down in the red zone, the field becomes smaller, right? Sure. So it's almost like you have 13 defenders out there because of the out-of-bounds. The spread really is limited once you get closer to the end zone because it's a sm- it's a smaller field to play on. Teams know what you're going to do when you get down there, right? Bust up the gut. When that's all you have and that's all they have to worry about, it's easier for them to stop it. We just haven't had the quarterback play that can counteract that and make those throws in those tight windows in the small field.
1: I, I mean, I see, I definitely see your point, but on first and second down on that goal line situation, we brought in the big boys. We still couldn't get it in. So then on third down, they decided to throw it seven Gosh. yard sack.
3: <laughs> and 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 I get your I get your point because yeah I think there's a lot of truth to that, but I do think you can oversimplify it too much just to say, well, we don't have as much room. No team ha- i mean every team works with the same parameters here, and it just comes down to you have got to execute the play, and so
2: often we are the team that is being out executed in those moments true, but it, I think it's because they know we are going completely one dimensional when we get down on the red zone or down but, on and especially near uh, the goal line true they're not gonna teams aren't afraid of Utah throwing on them, but even when we do, we don't do anything with it.
3: I mean, we're not it's not like we're awesome through the air in the red zone. We're we're not really effective
2: either way. That I mean, and that's really when you get in that red zone, defense has got to pick their poison even more than when they're out in the open field or at the fifty yard line. And what are they gonna do? They're gonna concentrate on doing stopping Utah what they do best is running the ball, at least in years past. And so you gotta have a quarterback that can make those tight throws and those smaller windows can put the ball on a dime, and we just have we haven't had that. So so far through five games, times have we scored touchdowns? No, wait, I wasn't ready.
3: <laughs> Recount, revote. This is Florida. Revote. Yes, Sean Connery.
1: <laughs> Colors that end with
2: Erbolt. <laughs> so we've been there thirty times. Thirty times.
1: I'm gonna say ten. No, i more than that because we had.
2: I'm both. gonna say thirteen.
3: You're both pessimistic. Fourteen. <laughs> oh, I was a one-off. Fourteen of thirty. Less than touchdowns. 50%. Now that's just touchdowns.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I know.
3: We we've obviously kicked a million field goals, but uh, um, we but again, that's what we're settling for, and we did far too often again on Saturday, which we've got to get it solved. And I think I think just like the long snapper, it's gotten into the head of these guys and they're not comfortable snapping it not knowing where it's gonna go i think as a program it's they've we've talked about it they've talked about it so much it almost just seems like everybody we get in the red zone everybody kind of just starts overthinking everything and uh i was real hopeful that troy taylor was gonna be the solution to that problem but it does not uh, seem to be the be resolved as of yet but They've gotta. They've. We've gotta see some improvement uh, the rest of this year. Whether it's Huntley, whether it's Troy Williams, whether it's. Uh, um, I mean, heck, I was about ready to bring in Jack Tuttle. I, I was right. Re- well, I take Tuttle right off that sideline and throw him in there. But we got to get better. You know, another stat that sticks out is we are still horrible on third down. Okay, we're gonna play Jeopardy
1: again. What is our third down percentage? Oh, you're going to be 30%? I bet it's lower than that. I bet it's like 25. 34.8%. Ooh, that's still awful.
3: Yeah, we have got... Uh, it's red zone and third downs. We just cannot continue drives quite enough. But again, I know we're harping on everything kind of negative right now, but those are obviously those are issues that are plaguing the team, and we've yet to see... A real complete game. And unfortunately, we didn't get it after a bye week, so we're back to the drawing board. And uh, whether it's Huntley or whether it's Troy next week, we got USC coming up, so yeah, things got to change. competition
1: doesn't get any easier, that's for sure. Looking ahead to, I don't want to get too far ahead because we'll probably talk about USC a little bit later, but in coming into this game this weekend, win or lose, you've got to find ways to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. You've got to find Carrington. He can't go the entire first half without a look. I mean, he ended up with seven catches, all in the second half, hundred yards.
3: But how about that one-handed snag that he later fumbled? He later fumbled. But, that was uh, that was a that was a was nice, heck of a catch. Nice catch.
1: But that's what I'm ta- That guy really catches almost everything that's in the vicinity.
3: Well it Why almost not find him? We'll it. Use him. It almost seemed like they were using him early in that game as a decoy. They were uh, they were running him and then always throwing away. And whether that was whether that was the plan or that was just Troy staying away be because of double coverage or whatever. Um, but it did seem like that early on, and finally, but yeah, you've gotta go to Carrington. He is he's the best wide receiver we've had in this program. What, since Kevin Dyson, Steve Smith? Yeah, I mean, that probably. those are a lot of years ago. So you have got to utilize him. We've only got him for
2: this year. Throw the ball to him every time, as far as I'm concerned. So Carrington did say some interesting things today at the press conference. Uh, this is from uh, Josh Furlong from KSL.com. Uh, Carrington says, We ran the same things we were running in the first half, I guess he started just seeing the open players, finding the open players. He, I guess meaning Troy Williams, missed a couple people in the first half, and I just think that he got more comfortable in the second half and started hitting the over-routes and just other people. And Carrington goes on to say, uh, says, bottom line execution, we got to execute in the goal line, we got to execute, period. He, he, <laughs> he <laughs> we, We've been hearing that for three years, though. I mean... It's he, true, but he, here's the—I he don't fall through Troy under the bus there slightly. I don't fault him though.
1: Oh, I don't fault him either
2: for for being that passionate. No,
1: I I love it quite honestly. Because
2: right now, what he's our best offensive player. What you were saying, Scott, hes the best wide receiver since the '90s for this team. He arguably is the best wide receiver in the Pac-12. You know, he's up for different uh, watch lists right now for best wide receivers in the country. I think he's earned that right to be frustrated that he's not even targeted.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I don't blame him one bit. I like that he's not afraid to speak his mind. I think Troy needs to hear that. I think the whole team needs to hear I think the rest of the receivers need to hear that. That is the mindset you should have. Throw me the ball. I mean, we, we there's a stereotype that wide receivers are prima donnas, but
2: all the best wide receivers are prima donnas. That doesn't mean come prima donna to well me no no that. i know i know what you're saying but i'm saying what even what he's he's not even complaining that he's not scoring touchdown or he's not getting stats he's just he's upset that they weren't executing and part of that execution was finding open receivers and and targeting those open receivers i do not have a problem no, with anything he said i completely see his frustration
1: from a fan standpoint how many times did we see him alone running open down the middle of the field.
3: When I, I think the key to this is he says, I feel like I can get the team sparked. He's saying, give me the ball, I will make something happen. And that is the mindset everybody needs to have, including our quarterback. Yeah. Troy Williams, if you're our guy, you're our guy. We will support you. This fan base will support you. Yes, they were frustrated on Saturday, and things did not go well. But at the end of the day, if you're our guy, go out there, show some enthusiasm, be the guy, and lead this team. That's what this team needs. They need a leader. They need somebody to get up there and say, "This is. I need this from you. We need to raise our level. And if they do that, oh, I should be like a coach. I'm ready to give like a pep talk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh. We need to put that C on your sweater you're wearing right now. (laughs) He does need to act like the C on his jersey instead of worrying about what the fans think of him. If they were booing him, if he reads Twitter and sees his name being disparaged, who cares what the fans think? Go out and do your job. Well, the quarterbacks have a long history at the
3: University of Utah of getting some pretty good criticism. (laughs) Travis Wilson got four straight years of it you never once hear, heard him approach it in the media i i just don't think that's a good way to go i mean it is what it is he did it but i think you just got to you got to lead you got to show by example and you've got to put the team on your back and if he can't do it as a fifth year guy that's a little troublesome
1: that he's and fans will be fans if they if they see the same thing happening Series after series, no points being scored. The frustration builds. And, well, and fans are fickle. Oh, absolutely. And
3: and I'm not saying, you know, we can cross a line. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. We can cross a line and to the point where it is a big negative. But, you know, exactly. Fans are going to be fans. I, I think a lot of the frustration is, as a fan base, <laughs> we've had it with this offense. We've had it with the offense being the the weak link of the team mm-hmm. for how many years. And th- this fan base is so desperate to have a successful offense. And we thought we were kind of getting it. And we took a step back. And I think that's why you've got so much frustration out there. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I'll tell you what. The fans are going to be ready to go and cheer on Troy come Saturday if he's the guy. So... Um, maybe it wasn't our best moment, but, uh, hopefully it's better for everybody come Saturday.
1: One thing we haven't talked about a lot, uh, and I, and I don't want to bring this up to take blame off of the quarterback or the other players that we've been talking about the need to step up. But does any of this have to do with Troy Taylor's lack of experience at this level of football?
2: We really haven't discussed that that much. I mean, it's just got to be a learning curve. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, Denver showed that. <laughs> winning him had to do it, going as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He's even talked about it when they came into the Pac-12. Um, and things we've heard, you know, Norm Chow, he coming in really helped the program elevate to that, to being the, in the Pac-12. But, yeah, I, I think there's got to be a learning curve for him. Well, and... and- he really hasn't taken much of any criticism.
3: Oh, he hasn't. A-Rod, at this point of the year, was about <laughs> ready to be uh, set on fire. So, I mean, it. Uh, I, I think people are definitely giving him... They're being patient, and uh, they're giving him the benefit of the doubt, for sure.
1: How long does that last, though? This season? Well, I
3: think you have to see improvement. It's the same thing at BYU. I mean, Detmer was the, the next great thing. He was going to revolutionized the game again and uh you know they were ready to uh build statues and hoist banners down there and we've all seen exactly how well that's going for him so you know i i do think the fact that he has not coached to the pac-12 level is i think it's going to take some time and he's he's going to uh he's going to have some lumps along the way but but I think at the same time we're seeing You can see things. You can see things that we haven't seen before. And I think just just as the team needs to continue to get better, he's gonna do the exact same. And he's gonna find uh, things that work better and uh, and and get in a groove. So
1: if I could pass along one bit of wisdom to Coach Taylor it'd be to throw away that reverse uh, throw to simp- play from that, Simpkins. from Simpkins that never
2: Gets any yardage at all? Aren't we zero for three on the year running (laughs) that? Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. (laughs) So, as we said, kind of at the start of the podcast, that there were some positives and some negatives. We we kind of hit on it a little bit ago, but really, I think the defense overall was a positive.
3: oh no doubt. I think they obviously they kept us in the game. They do what they do every week: is they come ready to play. Great scheme, you know. I think overall, obviously, being down two or two starting defensive ends, I mean, we slide Leckie, Foto, and Moka Fisi out to the ends. They did pretty good. Obviously, uh, I think we got hurt a little bit in the, uh, the read option. But overall, two big plays is all they gave up to the best running back in the country right now. And those were two costly plays. I mean, yeah. one was a, a 68-yard touchdown, another 39-yard scamper um outside of
1: those two runs they held him to 37 yards which is fantastic i mean we talked a little bit about this earlier that we held him under his average and you look he had a i think he ended up with 152 yards something around that look at that and just say we held him below his average i mean that's that means he's a heck of a running back
3: oh yeah he's he's the real deal and and you saw the speed in the open field. Oh, yeah. He's got uh, he's he's got that breakaway speed. Wasn't real impressed with Stanford's quarterbacks. I thought they were pretty average. They did do, I mean they they completed some passes on us, but you know, I didn't I don't think they really hurt us all that to all that much. They were able to move the ball um in the middle of the field. But again, when it came down to it, we continued to force them to uh, to kick field goals, which allowed us to stay in that ball game. But yeah, uh, to your point earlier, Cameron, we didn't get any pressure on them, no sacks or turnovers, which that's really what our offensive our offense needed was a turnover, get a short field, maybe get some emotion. I mean, the the, the stadium was pretty dead for
1: most of that game. Yeah, especially after that second touchdown.
3: It's just uh, there. There just wasn't a whole lot to cheer about. But overall, I mean, you're not going to come away with three turnovers every every game. They still played. They still played well. Marquise Blair came in in the second half and just continued to. And
1: almost dudes. got tossed for another
3: half. <laughs> yeah, he was almost six inches, uh, within six inches of uh, the helmet. Of the of the helmet. How on earth are we reviewing that? He hits him in the sternum. Who picked him as
2: the breakout player of the of the? Good job, Brian! proud of you. What? <laughs> I'm offended. Thanks, Cam. Ryan, Scott, I can't let your head get any bigger than what it is. <laughs> hey, my,
3: my offensive uh, breakout player has just, has become a bust, so it it just evens itself out.
2: <laughs> Both of
1: mine are horrible. <laughs> no, sure. I well, well say because
3: that. you didn't pick an all pack 12 player this year as your breakout <laughs> player, that's why. <laughs> But, no, I mean,
2: Blair, is there a funner guy on the defense to watch?
1: No, he's awesome to watch. He's
2: flying flying around. It it was great to have him back in that second half.
1: (laughs) The scary thing is the way he throws his body around, he's bound to get another targeting call this season.
3: Oh, he'll probably have two or three more by the the time the season's over. But he he is a force back there, and he makes plays. I mean, Ballard, I don't think Ballard's been making – Mistakes, but he hasn't been standing out. He hasn't been making plays. He's kind of been a little bit invisible out there. You don't get that. Blair makes his presence known. He is. Whittingham referred to him today as as he's a blur on the field because he's just everywhere so fast. And uh, obviously, you know, we're still going to see quite a few three safety sets where uh, Ballard's in along with uh, with Hanson and and Blair, but. I love what this defense, and especially the linebacking crew, who continually has gotten so much heat. Tatioli has turned into a heck of a linebacker.
1: And so is Kavika. Yeah, and linebackers have been make, a surprise both,
3: this season. They're both
2: making plays. I mean, even Barton, I think, has improved.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm, but Tatioli's everywhere. He 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 was in the backfield uh, tackling Love. Love even commented on after the game. said number 10 was everywhere. He 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 has drastically improved, which has really helped. I think solidify obviously the linebacking core. Kavik has come into his own, and it's it's a little unfortunate both these guys are seniors. Credit to the defense; they gave up a few plays, but you're always going to have that happen. And uh, I I thought they played well enough to win, and you know
1: the offense just kind of needs the same score mold. more than twenty points on your home field.
2: Yep. Okay, so it looks like we got Kenneth Scott on the line. Before we bring him on, we'll let you know that that interview is brought to you by our our sponsors with Farmers Insurance. For protecting your home, vehicle, and family look to Farmers Insurance, call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. And joining on the phone now is former Ute, the great wide receiver, Kenneth Scott Kenneth, thank you so much for taking time out of your life and, and jumping on the phone with us.
0: Oh, man, no problem at all. I really appreciate you guys just reaching out to me and, you know, and just asking about you know, my thoughts, and I appreciate that.
2: So first off, i got to ask you, as a former player, when you have a game like this, like what Utah just experienced with Stanford, that kind of slipped through their fingers, one that they, they could have won, how do you bounce back as a player and, and get ready for that next game?
0: You know, you just gotta have a, a short memory. You know, um, even if it even if it was a win, you know, a big win, you gotta forget about it and move on to the next week. Um, that's what sports is really all about. You know, I mean, just worrying about next week and not, uh, you know, worrying too much about what happened in the past. You know, you gotta have a, a quick turnover and make sure you get ready for the next game because if you let that loss dwell, it's gonna carry over into the next game and you know bad things can happen. So if you just keep a positive mindset, and then move away from that, learn from your mistakes from the past game, and build on it, you'll be just fine.
1: Hey, kind of following up to that question, is that easier to do as a player versus being a fan? Because we're sitting here around discussing the game tonight, and it's still eating at us, but we're we're fans. We're not obviously players. Is it easier to, to make that turnaround as a player?
0: Yeah, definitely, because after after Sunday, you know, you're starting a new week, so monday now they're perform- they're preparing for u s c now you know what I mean you know fans they don't get that luxury of having to prepare, so it's different you know so now they're preparing for u s c and so yeah so that they- that's already out of their mind
3: okay scott w- t- tell us what what do you think's causing the the struggles in the red zone
0: um you know just like i said before i think um i think the execution you know uh once you got, once you get technically sound and, uh, be able to execute, then things will go better in your way, you know? Um, you know, the, since the, since the, the field, uh, gets dwelled and uh, and it gets, you know, condensed, you know, things get tougher. And so right then you got to be real meticulous on the way you move. And, uh, you know, you got to, it's really got how to game plan. You got a game plan to make sure you execute it. So other than that, man, you just got to, you know, dig deep and fight. You know, every every inch, every yard, literally. Um, that's the just that's just the mentality you got to have when in the red zone.
1: Hey Kenneth, um, after Saturday's game, uh, Troy Williams made some comments in his post game press conference that he he wasn't happy with his performance and he he kind of felt the fans uh, didn't like him after that performance. What, what's his mi- mindset going into the, this USC game now if he is the starter?
0: Man, you know, I took it. You know, I, I feel, I feel where he's coming from. You know, uh, he felt like, you know, he had a lot of going on in his back. You know, he felt like he let everybody down, and I understand that because, you know, it's a lot of pressure being in that quarterback position. You know, Either you're the, the winner. I mean, you're the hero or the zero. You know, and uh, and I know Troy, Troy's gonna bounce back from this, and he's gonna take that motivation from last week. Because he know he didn't perform that well. So he's going to use that as motivation for next week. You know, that's just the type of person he is. You know, whenever things get faulty, he, you know, he makes sure he rises up and, uh you know, gets motivated for the next game. So, you know, I'm not too worried about how he will be next game because I feel as though he has that type of uh, mentality to get the job done, you know, next week. um You know, versus USC, being in his hometown, you know, he knows what he didn't do last, w- uh, last week so well. So this week he's going to try to showcase, you know, his skill set, you know what I mean? Um, so that team's going to come back with a chip on the shoulder and be just fine.
2: Hey, Kenneth, you know, now that the team is focusing in on USC, you played in this league. USC has a, a lot of tradition, a lot of pageantry. Do players really pay attention to that kind of stuff? Or is it really just another game?
0: Uh, to be honest with you, it's just another game, but, you know, it's on a bigger scale because it is USG. It has all this historical, uh, you know, background to it, you know, being one of the greatest teams in NCAA history, you know, what I mean. So of course going into that, it's, it's a, it's a feeling of a bigger game. You know, us as Utah, we, we built this, uh, built this hiatus up to where now we're contenders, you know, what I mean. And, uh, so this game is going to be huge because, Really, it's going to be a determinant of the Pac-12 South in a way. Um, so, you know, with this game around, everybody's going to be chewed. Everybody's going to be amped up. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big game.
1: Hey, Kenneth, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on Troy Taylor's offensive scheme. Do, do, you, do you like it? What do you see when you watch it?
0: Um, I, I like Troy Taylor's offensive scheme. You know, what I wish was better is get uh, the tight ends incorporated more. But, you know, what they're doing now is just fine. Um, cause I'm a big receiver advocate. Like, I'm, I'm big on the receivers getting the ball. And I love, cause, um, you know, before, honestly, to be very honest, before us receivers were only getting like four, four to five passes, just that during the whole game. So you know I mean? <laughs> I mean, you have Carrington, you know, and Carrington coming in, uh, and getting 15 attempts a game. You're like, dang. <laughs> and so it's also the same. You know, like, I'm over here like, dang, like, the last drive, he got just as many, uh, attempts and target attempts and, uh, catches as I got, uh, attempts in the whole game. Like, and it's awesome to see, like, it's you see the progression of the offense and, and you can kind of see, cause I swear in the wit era, you don't really see us passing the ball that many times, you know, in the, so it's good to see it means that we're making progress. He's trusting the, the offensive coordinator more, he's trusting the receivers more, you know what I mean? It so it shows um, that Coach Witt is letting our offense be ran. And so I think it's awesome that Carrington is getting fifteen pass attempts passes since a game. You know, that's freaking awesome. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, uh I, I love the play of Raylan last game. Well in the beginning he did he was he started off hot and then I think he kinda of dwelled at the end a little bit, but, you know, I just love seeing him see him make seeing him make plays. I wish Yossi Wilson would have got involved more. Nakua would have got involved more, Simpkins. And I, thought, I still want to see every all the other receivers get involved more. But it's it's what I love is seeing the number one receiver hit a lot of targets because for the longest when I was there, I heard every week, "Oh, we're gonna get you the ball more. Oh, we're gonna get you the ball more. Oh, we're gonna get you the ball more." And I'm like, "Cool." It Never happened. But it's cool though. <laughs> so I'm glad. <laughs> so I'm glad like Carrington is getting all this love because it's really cool, man. But uh. So that was really
3: good. Can tell, uh tell the fan base kind of what you're up to now, uh, now that you're, uh, your playing days are behind you?
0: Uh, you know, I'm just a family man, man. I just bought a house, um, like, a couple days ago. Oh. I got engaged not too long ago. Oh, congratulations. Um, oh, so, you know, uh, I appreciate it, man. I me mean, a lot, man. So, you know, I'm just, you know, with the past year, how it seemed like everything went downhill for me. You know, this year, I made a promise to myself, like, man, no matter what, I'm going a- to... Right, i'm gonna still keep going um you know what i mean so i'm starting to get into that adulting stage you know you have to <laughs> you're owning stuff and all that um and being a father and a and a husband type so you know it's really cool to transition because a lot of players you know after they get done with football it's hard to find their identity um and so you know i'm loving life right now man i, I can't i can't i can't complain one bit
1: well, good for you yeah. So, do
3: you do you do you have do you have any plans or any any thought of getting into coaching? I mean, just sitting here listening to you, I mean, you you're kind of getting us juiced a little bit. Do you do you have any desire to get into the coaching world?
0: Man, to be honest with you, I get that asked a lot, and I really do. Would lo- I really would love coaching? I'm not even gonna lie to you. You know, uh, I was thinking about because you know Brian Johnson, he's out here in Houston. He's coaching. He's the offensive coordinator out of Houston. You know, I was, I was thinking about reaching out to him and, uh, you know, getting my feet wet in the coaching industry. But, you know, I, I don't know, man. It, it's a lot of hours. Um, You know, I love the game of football. I love it. Um, and so I, I don't know, man. I was thinking about doing radio. I'm just not sure yet, you know. I just don't want to dive into something and then reconsider it. Like, you know what I mean? So um, right now, I'm just you know, I'm just – just trying to live each day, you know. What I mean I get a, I get it a ton, like you should start coaching and I would love to. You know, if if the wide receiver position position was open, best believe I'm going. Like I'm I'm actually coach with like coach, what's up, man? Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? But uh, but no, man, uh I will I would love to coach one day. I just think right now I'm just still, you know, trying to kinda figure out what I wanna do still, you know.
2: Well, Kenneth, thank you so much. I'm I've interviewed you a couple times during uh, spring ball and f- and fall camp while you were playing at the U, and I got to say, you're always a class act, and you always were truthful in all your answers. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, a r- uh, thank you a lot for, for joining us on kind of short notice like this and, and for giving us your thoughts.
0: Oh, no problem at all. I really appreciate it. Anything you talk, I'm down for. It. You know, I got <laughs> lots of love for the, for the school, man. I, I'm a proud alumni.
2: That's great. Hey, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh,
0: you know, Scott underscore two. That's all my uh, platforms, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all the platforms. But uh, yeah, you can find me at Scott underscore two.
2: Perfect. Hey, thanks, buddy. We'll have to have you on uh, again sometime soon, all right?
0: Oh, most definitely. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, right. Kenneth. Thanks, thanks buddy. Thank you, sir. Right, take care.
2: Oh man, always great to hear from former players, especially Kenneth Scott. I, I'm with you, Scott. I think he should be a coach. That was a great interview. Yeah, he's uh, he's very well spoken, got a lot of
3: energy, and uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Miss him miss him around here, but glad he's doing well
1: down in Houston. Great ambassador for the Utah program, though.
2: All right, let's kind of switch our focus now onto USC. All right, so the Utes are traveling down to the Coliseum to take on the number 13th-ranked USC Trojans. The line right now is at 12.5 for USC. We're recording this Monday night, so I'm sure the line will move. Uh, Primetime game, ABC, 6 p.m. Could be a lot of eyeballs watching this. What are your guys' first thoughts on how the Utes can match up against the Trojans?
3: Well, I think I think we match up pretty well with them. Um, the problem is we typically match up pretty well with them at home. We have not fared all that well down uh, down in Southern Cal, so that's uh, going to be a test. You know, USC is definitely not what we all expected them to be early on. And uh, Darnold has looked good at times, but he's, he's, he's throwing a lot of interceptions, hasn't been as accurate. And uh, so there's going to be opportunities uh, by this secondary to, to make some plays. Which uh, which we're, this offense is going to need. We're going to need some short fields and some um, maybe even even a, a score or anything that can maybe jumpstart the offense, give them a little bit of assistance. But I, I we do match up pretty well with them. Um,
2: but man, they've got talent all over the board from Darnold to uh, to Jones. I I really like Ronald Jones. Uh, he's the running back. He's averaging six yards a carry on the season, and I think he kind of gets overshadowed. Um, by Darnold, and I, I, I really think that he is a a big key factor to their offense. And well, well he, Utah's going to have to stop him if they want a shot. He gashed us last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some,
3: he had a number of big carries um, against us last year in Salt Lake. But he's got the type of speed of Bryce Love. He he's that type of uh, he's a home run hitter. And uh, if if we're not sure tackling again. And uh, he's got the ability to to break some big ones and break your back. So, and then you match that up. I mean, Darnold is a whole heck of a lot better than what we just saw at Stanford. And that's what we're going to kind of see. We're going to kind of each week we're going to see the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, continue to um, just have better skill level. And uh, so it's going to be a big test, uh, not only for the defensive line, linebackers, but the secondary. In, in covering what USC has, but I don't—they're not as explosive with at the wide receiver position as they've been in the in years past. So that plays to our favor. They they've got a number of injuries. Uh, I believe their left tackles um, out. Um, a number of injuries on the. I haven't seen anything specifically as far as who's playing or whatnot this uh, this week, but they they have had a good number of injuries. So. Here's to hoping that maybe they need mo-
2: one more week to pr- to uh, to heal. So Scott, you bring up the injuries with the USC. Uh, it did break today that their uh, wide receiver, I think, is their number one right re- wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to butcher it. I'm sorry, Dante Burnett. Burnett. How are you going to butcher that one? Because uh, you know me, I need I need a lot of help with names. Uh, he injured his toe. This
3: one's a tough one. <laughs> Steve Smith.
2: Smith. I hate you guys. <laughs> Sound it out. <laughs> he injured his toe against oregon state uh he is reports that uh you know we're seeing um uh, from the usc side is that he's he's doubtful uh for this game and that and that could be huge especially with sam Darnold. i think if we can get pressure on him he can make mistakes what he's throwing nine picks on the year uh he's had one i know a big time fumble against washington state off pressure so if we can get pressure on him with his number one receiver out that could really help Utah's defense.
3: Well, and hopefully we're going to see Fitz and Anai back in the lineup, and uh, which should help to get some more pressure uh, from the edges on Darnold, um, and slide back uh, both Mocafisi and uh, Lecky back inside, uh, which is you know obviously their strong suit. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the key. And, I, and I, I'm sure that's going to be the emphasis in practice this week. Whittingham talked about the, the fact that they were not able to get pressure against Stanford and how uh, big of a disappointment that was. So you know it's going to be um, a point of emphasis this week going into practice. And I expect we'll see a better, uh, a better showing um, this coming week. But I, but I think it's going to be key whether or not Fitz and I are back and how
2: healthy are they. All right, so before we make our prediction for the Utah game and for some Pac-12 games, uh, those are brought to you by our sponsor, Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City, downtown. 110 West, 600 South, 801-359-7800. Uh, so like I said, the game right now is USC by 12.5. Scott, where are you going with this one? I want to pick the Utes. fact that we haven't won since 1916 down
3: in Fiesta Park Fun, whatever they called it back then, and uh, our starter's out. Our pet's heads are falling off. I'm going to go with USC. Well, what's the score? <laughs> Does it matter? We're losing. No, okay. I, I, I've i got USC with the barn burner. I think uh, they
2: win uh, 34-31. So I think this game's going to be a lot closer than what people think. With Huntley being out, well, we think he's going to be out. I don't have a lot of faith that Utah will go down and, and get a victory. I want them to, but I think USC pulls it out 30-24. to 24. Ryan? Where's the faith, gentlemen?
1: Jeez. I'm the only one here picking the Utes. <laughs> go ahead. Homer alert. <laughs> well, we are the Utah Man Podcast it's going to be it's going to be a close game i think and i think utah escapes narrowly and it's all because Guidry's going to have a pick six 30 to 28 utah
2: wow i like it before we get into the pack 12 games the standings on our picks my lead has dwindled to 1 <laughs> i'm 13 and 2 and scott and ryan are right behind me at 12 and 3 that three-game lead is down to one. Cameron's acting like it's November or something <laughs> around here. <laughs> All right, the first game we're picking is UCLA is traveling to Tucson to take on the Wildcats. Uh, Arizona right now is favored by one point. Scott, where are you going? I think I'm going to go with the uh, Arizona
3: on this one. Arizona, they just uh, finally took out the abomination of their quarterback. And putting Khalil Tate, who just you know ran all over Colorado, UCLA is giving up 284 yards on the ground a game. That's a game.
1: It's going to be
2: more than that this weekend.
3: It's going to be awful. US, UCLA is going to go down. I got I got the uh, the Bearcats.
2: I'm going with Arizona as well for those same reasons. Uh, they Arizona's offense really clicked last week against Colorado. I think they keep going. Uh, with that, at, even at home, so bear down, Arizona. Ryan? For all those reasons, Arizona. Next game we got is Oregon Ducks are traveling to take on the Stanford Trees. Stanford's favored by 10.5. Scott, where are you going?
3: I'm going to go with Stanford. I, uh, we saw how bad st- uh, Oregon struggled with uh, out there starting quarterback. So, you know, the Utes aren't
2: alone on that front, but... Um, I'm going to go with Stanford on that one. I really want to go with the Ducks, but with injuries, I got to go Stanford. The Trees get away with the victory, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I think Bryce loves too much for Oregon, and without their starting quarterback, I don't think they've got a
2: shot, so Stanford wins it. All right, and our last game, I think, is really interesting. Both of these teams are 0-3 and Pac-12 play. Normally, we probably wouldn't pick a game like this, but I think there's a lot of interesting storylines. Colorado was traveling to Corvallis for the Oregon State Beavers. Colorado is favored by 12.5 right now. Scott, your thoughts? Well, breaking news. <laughs> Gary Anderson
3: is no longer with the Beeves. And Oregon State's $12 million richer, too. What do you think about that? Came a little came a little quicker
1: than uh, I think anybody had I didn't think it would come five games into the season that was that was kind of shocking
3: word word, word out of Corvallis is there uh, the coaching staff was a mess lots of backbiting internal fighting things were not uh, too peachy up there in Beaverland so I think uh, yeah they made the change what uh, cam what what is uh,
2: how did you always refer to Gary He is the used car salesman of the Pac-12. Well, I guess ex-used car salesman of the Pac-12. I'll
3: tell you what. Reports are that he has forfeited the rest of his contract, which would pay him over $12 million because he did not get the job done. So, I do not know a used car salesman that would do something of that nature. So, I think think that's pretty noble of him, and... uh, I uh, I wouldn't mind having him back on our staff in some capacity. The guy can recruit. Obviously, uh, he may already have something lined up, or he may uh, he'll get a job somewhere. But it'll be interesting to see uh, where he lands if it is somewhere here in state.
2: I I will say he's he always has had his assistants backs while he was up there. That was the mo. While he was there, that was the most assistant coaches were making at Oregon State. So I will give him full credit for making sure that his his coaching staff got taken care of.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Oregon State goes. I mean they, they're definitely not a destination type place and so it's not the
2: easiest place to go and win. So hey, uh, Mike Mike Riley might be going back <laughs> yeah, for, for the say. third time. So going back to the pick, Colorado at Oregon State, who do you got Scott? Uh, I would take just about East High
3: School at this point over Oregon State. So uh, since it's Colorado this week, Colorado's my choice.
2: Not so fast, my friend. Oregon State players are gonna regroup this week. I'm sure this is devastating, but this is them pulling together. They're gonna go out in what is it, Riser Stadium, whatever it's called, Frozen Food Section.
1: But <laughs> I think it's Research Stadium. Oh,
2: something like that. But the Buffs come away with the victory. I'm going Colorado. Right oh, here.
1: after all that, you go with Colorado.
2: <laughs> I was just about ready to give it to you. Uh, I'm sure you were. <laughs> Where you go, Ray?
1: Oh, it pains me to say it, but Colorado. I'd love to see Colorado get their fourth loss in the conference play. But Colorado wins.
2: All right, so those are our picks. You can give us your picks and what you think at Utah Man Podcast at Twitter. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's drum, the letter N, Feather. And
1: Scott?
2: U-Man underscore forever. And as I said, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at UtahManPodcast at our home at UtahManPodcast.com and catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else you can find a podcast. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be telling Daka We're good. Let's cut
1: it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. We're live in three, (laughs) two, one. It's
3: a good thing this is not live. (laughs) (laughs) What was his name?
1: Jamal Willis? (laughs) You know, my favorite part of that play was when Simpkins threw it out of bounds and the ref says... (laughs) There is no intentional grounding. Number seventeen was in the area, <laughs> and he was so seventeen through threw the ball. Well, it was pack
3: twelve refs. Are <laughs> oh, we were really surprised at this point?
1: He's thought about going into radio. I almost said, "Well, if you do that, come to this market because it's lacking good radio hosts." <laughs> Seriously,
3: <laughs> thirty of those points come probably garbage time for the Utes. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't put that in there. I'm trying not to
2: be negative. Javelin Gidry. Ooh, I've been practicing. You You have made progress. I have been practicing.
1: We're out like Gary Anderson.